welcome to one of the seven early sins that we call the Culture Lust Podcast, where we watch a Netflix movie at random and hope that we find anything interesting, anything at all from the film to discuss. And this week, I think we may have. My name is Justin, but I like to go by Jones, and I will be your host today. I am joined by... Hey, what's going on, guys? It's James. And Scott. Today, we're going to talk about The Last Samurai. And as IMDb describes, it, uh, it is about an American military advisor embraces the samurai culture he was hired to destroy after he is captured in battle. Now, all of us have seen this movie. Um, I'm going to start with you, Scott. How did you feel about the second time or third or whatever time this is uh, watching this movie? So this this is the second time that I've, I've seen this movie. And I will admit that the first time that I watched it, I passively watched it uh around the first time it came out um i wasn't in the theaters or anything i should say around the first time it came out on dvd or vhs i don't even know what the hell 2003 yeah yeah whatever it was but laser disc i I passively watched it yeah bro (laughs) same shit they recruited recruited me in the army with big old laser disc um So I, the first time I watched it, it, like I said, I watched it passively, and I really just kind of thought that it was a long movie that was pretty cool because it had swords and shit in it. But uh, this time around, man, uh, big difference, big difference. What about you, James? Um, you know, we kind of talked offline about this, but we've all been in the military. Where some of us are in the military, right. and this is. This is it's a little different watching the movie after you've joined the military. How do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. So like when it first came out, I was a sophomore or a junior in high school. So this was like a you know, go to the movie on the weekends with my friends. Oh my god, this is so cool cuz you know, swords and shit. Uh <laughs> now that I'm older, <laughs> yeah, more buddy. mature, seeing a bit of the world, experience some things and also, you know, being in the military. Looking back on this stuff from uh uh, a, a more mature outlook, especially like from the strategy standpoint and stuff. It was, I was excited and I've watched this movie multiple times since it came out. I, I'm, I don't know the exact number, but it's been multiple viewings, at least, at least five at this point. And, uh, it just gets better and better each time I watch it. There's a few things that I, you know, kind of choose to ignore, but I really enjoy it, man. I, I, I've always been a fan of Tom Cruise. So yeah, this is one of my favorites of his. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You you say it, there are a bunch of things that I choose to ignore. When a movie's like this, it's like it's easy to forget some of the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is my second time watching. I think I watched it in two thousand three in theaters. Uh, I was sixteen, so that's you know I'm almost thirty now. So that was a while ago. Uh, but this movie, I feel like it's a lot better the second time, at least for me, because. Like I said, I'm in the military now, so a lot of the stuff makes a little more sense. But I've also learned a lot about filmmaking in that time, and um, I appreciate the story that w- that was being told and, and how it was told a lot more than I ever could have. Um, so, what are what are your first impressions, Scott, um, when when the movie first started? So the movie starts immediately, and it has Tom Cruise's character. Uh, Nathan Algren, Captain Nathan Algren. He's um, basically a washed-out old army vet. And immediately, 
I thought, wow, okay, I, I don't remember this part of the or this factor from this movie at all. Like and none of that stuff. Like I said, just swords and shit. That's what I remembered <laughs> from before. Um, and and I was drawn in. I know we've talked in past episodes about how it's much much more entertaining for most of us to and get into a movie that we can relate with the characters, right? So, like I said, immediately I was like, holy crap. Because, I mean, I've been, in, I've been in the Army 20 years, basically got put out the pasture, I'm almost done. Uh, and, and I was like, holy crap, you know, and, and I've, I've, not to get too personal, but I've had problems, you know, with alcohol, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I was immediately wrapped in, and I was like, okay, this is something that I need to pay attention to. And I remember picking up the remote control and I doubled the volume and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get into this. And, and that's how this movie started for me. And it stayed that way the whole time. I mean, like, like you guys are talking about, there's, there are a few negative things that we'll get into here shortly, but yeah, it was, man, I, I don't know. I have to go out on a limb and say this movie is probably my new favorite movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Probably my new favorite movie. Yeah, well, I mean, some movies, they become a favorite movie because it makes an impact on you a certain way. Um, like you said, based on maybe something you've experienced yourself. But yeah, first impressions, at first, um, you know, like you were saying, it opens up with him uh, just drinking and talking about his past. It talks about his demon. It shows his, like, a little bit of flashbacks. So I, I can relate a lot more now that I've that I've been a part of the mental health field in the military um, I immediately I can start understanding where this guy's coming from um, and then I have an idea of where this movie might end up um, but but yeah I, I really I really enjoyed I, my new favorite movie I don't know but this is I definitely appreciate it more this time all right and uh, James what about you man so I, I'm kind of right there with Scott <laughs> maybe you know different experiences and stuff but watching the, the beginning of this movie and how Tom Cruise is acting or we'll go with his character named Nathan Algren, you know? Uh, yeah. Kind of like being put out to pasture war is all he's known. It's come to an end. I got a real like captain America feel from it. Kind of, you know, out there selling war bonds and this and that the, the industrialized version of the aftermath of war basically. And he hates it. Like absolutely hates it. He despises it. He even has a line, I think when he's introducing the rifle, uh, let's think, thank all those that have died for the commercial and industrial purposes or something like that, you know, basically mm -hmm. proving that, you know, you guys are all just a bunch of jack wagons and he's obviously struggling with some stuff. And I, I definitely thought back to a lot of the people that I've come into contact with, with my job field, helping people through PTSD because he, they did a good job kind of showing those signs, you know, he's angry, he's irritable, he's having nightmares and you know flashbacks and he's trying to drown it all away with whiskey of course and uh it was it was pretty good and then the public that he's interacting with during the the initial scene when he starts talking about custer's men and going into detail how they're just kind of left out there on the battlefield you see people kind of cringing and looking away and they don't want to deal with the realities of war you know they they're there to buy a just rifle the, <laughs> yeah just the the fancy parts yeah the glorious well, and, parts in the that, show that, was that he puts ongoing on. theme yeah and there, that was an ongoing theme through the first quarter of the movie yeah it was show. just a bunch of people that have never been to war don't know how to fight and they're 
buying people to fight their wars for them and then more importantly telling them how to go about it which has been a theme you know in multiple movies and stories and including real life you know we see it happen all the time and kind of joking about some of the stuff yeah for um, sure like simon brings up later about the um i think it was simon but what somebody brought up the the scalping right and you know what that was like and and that's like yeah. asking somebody if they've killed somebody. It's not something that you that you sh- that you should be asking, and they really portrayed that pretty well. Yeah, you, Nathan's character just got like this glossy look over his eyes, and his mood just totally changed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. that was that was good. But um, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, Tom Tom Cruise did an excellent excellent job in this movie. Um, I I got a lot of. A lot of the feelings and a lot of the ideas that came out later, I just kind of garnered from his facial expressions and, and just the kind of the way he was carrying himself. Um, yeah, totally. You know, yeah. I, I, and the biggest, I think the biggest one was this whole underlying theme that really Nathan just wants to die. He just wants to be done with life. Mm-hmm. But everyone on the outside is like, holy crap, you know, this guy's, he's such a super warrior. He's a, he's a soldier. Yeah. He never gives up. Yeah, he's <laughs> a fucking beast right awesome nah in reality he's just like dude i i just want to die i i don't have the balls to do it myself so i'm just going to put myself into situations that force people to maybe kill me and uh you know and, and that's something that i picked up on way before he has that uh that conversation with katsumoto about that whole that whole thing so you know kudos to tom cruise on that one it was good stuff Definitely. So let's let's move into some of the positives uh, that we thought we could pull from this movie. And it's kind of weird, but we have a, I have a lot more positives than negatives in this movie. And like like James said, um, the way this movie was put together and how well it was acted, I think you just kind of forget about some of the negatives. But you're venturing into into rare waters for culture less, where we have more positives right. than <laughs> negatives. <laughs> Yeah, what is this? What happens magic? when you, yeah, random Netflix movies, uh, you get a good one, and it's, it kind of catches me off guard. So a couple things um, that I thought this movie did very well, uh, like we mentioned earlier, the alcoholism and kind of life after uh, seeing Hell, and this guy was at, he was battling with Custer, and his captain that he was with, um, you know, forced him to do some things, and and we could probably talk about that later, but he was, um, he sees this coming back into his, like his thoughts and everyday life. And I thought they did that like really, really well. It wasn't like a ham fisted, Hey, he's got PTSD. It, it really proved or really, uh, moved the story along. And I appreciated that. Another thing that I liked was, um, this line towards the beginning he's talking to the captain i can't remember his name it was a colonel by the way you might want to get that right since we're all military my bad bad. (laughs) okay so the colonel uh, he's talking to him and he was like for 500 bucks a month uh i'll kill anybody but i'd gladly kill you for free yeah i really liked i really liked that line because it just showed a lot of history like when you're writing a movie and you're doing a movie you try to show and not tell that that showed a lot of backstory and a lot of a lot a lot between these two guys without saying a whole lot and it was it was just really well done. Um, I thought the pacing was good. You know, it would get to you would you would hear a point made or or something that they wanted to, to 
to portray on film and then they move on to the next thing and on to the next thing. Nothing really dragged. None of the conversations felt out of place. Um, uh, it, yeah, which, what's up? Is, that's, that's unusual too for me anyway, watching, because this was a fairly long movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, two hours and 34 minutes. Yeah, and uh, the pacing was done so well that I mean, I was lamenting a little bit at first because I didn't really want to sit down and, you know, for almost three hours just to and do nothing, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't do I didn't do a single time check, and it didn't feel like it was as long as it was. I mean, most of the scenes I felt needed to be in there to convey the ideas that they did. Yeah, everything, every the fight choreography, in my opinion, was really exciting, especially the final battle. Um, and then there's one little thing that I really liked is his scenes with his little bodyguard Bob that he named Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was nice little you know piece of levity throughout the really you know dark down movie. Yeah, they, I feel like they uh, peppered a in bit of comedy. comedy. Yeah, pretty well. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Bob Bob is my favorite character. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I was the whole every single fight scene. I was like, Bob better not die. Damn it. <laughs> Right, Bob well. Bernard, God damn it, he died. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, I liked, I liked the the dichotomy, of the final battle. That's like the samurai. They use ancient swords and armor and horses, and it's going against this massive, massive army of you know machine guns and howitzers and stuff. And I just thought that was really cool, um, tactics wise, how they were able to pull that off and. Reference like the 300 at Thermopylae and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It was it was pretty cool. But what about you guys? So uh, it's funny you mentioned the the 300 reference because what I really liked about that is they you know when they're initially talking about taking on the samurai and training the force, he's like, "You have superior numbers and you have superior firepower. It shouldn't be an issue." He's like, "Yeah, but the enemy's been." studying and fighting war for the last thousand years like that's been their sole purpose you know and so mm-hmm. when he meets with katsumoto it's you know katsumoto even says like we're both students of war so it's interesting that Ogren introduces the whole philosophy and idea and the spartan heritage to katsumoto i thought that was actually really cool because uh you know i would argue that katsumoto is definitely a better student of war than uh, Augurn was you know Katsumoto grew up yeah. in the Bushido style and the, the samurai culture while Nathan Augurn joined the army at 18 and ended up fighting through the civil war and stuff you know what I mean it's a little yeah. bit difference in background one carries a lot more heritage and honor through it so I thought that was pretty cool to introduce it I really enjoyed. I liked all their scenes between them, between the two of them. Their conversations. They, their conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. There. It showed a lot of growth. It it showed like the progress for Nathan throughout the whole time, and like every time you talked to him, it was like talking to a different person. I I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, that scene you're talking about, James, when when he says, "Yeah, we're both you know stu- uh, students of war." Um, Tom Cruise did just kind of did this best fuck you look ever it was like because and he realizes like yeah that's that's i you know i'm a a student of war not quite like you but in in the same along the same lines Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to do that and then you have katsumoto on the other hand who's just you know he's all in 
he's all in the whole time, you know, t- talking that whole samurai stuff about dying on the field of battle, but, you know, and all that stuff. Well, and so. it's interesting, too, because Katsumoto's sister, Taka, the, the wife of the slain samurai that Nathan kills, even says mm-hmm. he did his duty and you did yours. So even just the whole culture, even the people that don't fight have a different viewpoint on warfare and that lifestyle than when you go back to his stage show, the American populace, they're all obsessed with the, the glory and the, you know, the guns and the action and stuff. But the, the Japanese culture is more like, this is, this is a thing. It's honorable. It's duty. And you know, it's ugly sometimes. And I, I thought that was a pretty good dynamic. So one thing I really enjoyed was the scenery. Uh, it was filmed in New Zealand, the majority yeah. of it. And good God, it was gorgeous. Like, <laughs> There's yeah, so really many landscape cool. shots that were just stunning. I will say, like, I, don't get me wrong, I love Hans Zimmer, but I felt the music was a little repetitive. There's, like, this one horn piece that's really good. It's just you hear it, like, five different times throughout the film. <laughs> that's his thing, just like, man. Though. Oh, this again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was his was like, 100th score, though. Which so is was, crazy. Which like, is, that's yeah. awesome. At the In 2003, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's 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 awesome, and you know the like Scott mentioned earlier, the, the choreography was bloody, which that's what you know war should be. I feel like there's not many movies that show massive combat. Like I always call these epic, just epic movies. You know, that's the scale. <laughs> it's just epic. Mm-hmm. This I think it's had a body count of like 500 and some change, right? So it's huge battle sequences, and not many movies pull it off well, in my opinion. I think Braveheart is still probably one of the best when it comes to these large-scale battles. Which, it's funny you say that because the director of photography for this movie did Braveheart. There you go. Boom. Fits right in. Because this was this was good, yeah, man. Be- like, whenever they do these huge battles, you'll see some movies, they ignore the fact that, like, literally hundreds of people are dying right now. And, yeah. like, the battlefield would be cluttered, man. There wouldn't be much room to do footwork and maneuvering and this and that. Like, there'd be bodies everywhere. And it'd be so hard to tell who the, the foe and the friend is and stuff. And, yeah, they did a good job with it. I really enjoyed it. Definitely. What about you, Scott? Uh, so, like I said in the beginning, my my f- best or, or my biggest positive that I have for this movie is, is the ability to relate to the main character, Nathan Algren. Um, and, and I was, after the movie ended, I was sitting there and I was going, you know what? I want to get kidnapped by Japanese <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, okay? I want to get kidnapped by Japanese Dwayne Johnson, and I want Japanese Rachel Weiss to take care of me. Wow. <laughs> and hell yes. Hell yes. Because it was it was all about his journey, right? His, his journey from wanting to not be alive anymore um, through the struggle of, you know, the DTs and all that stuff because he, he was detoxing from alcohol. Yeah, um, and then not having a place in the world to finding somewhere where he felt he could belong, like a family, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, and and the development of his character through the whole thing, you know, as he, um, especially I think the, the the little children in the in the movie and the Takas kids, mm-hmm. I think they were they were really good kind of uh, uh, symbols of how how he was progressing as far as himself 
and and the, the you know I think the the story writers and the directors and everybody else involved did a really really good job of kind of portraying that progress not only with you know Tom Cruise or Nathan but with the little kids but I, I think I mean another one of the the biggest positives that I have and I'm gonna stay away from the technical stuff you guys covered all that was um, the emotional involvement that I got not only in, in the character but just the movie and the story itself so. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not afraid of you know. Uh, in movies, I will. I will admit that I. I do cry sometimes, but it's not something you know all the time. Oh, I cry all uh, the time. The water. All the time. The, do you? Yeah. yeah. When it. I mean, yeah. other when things. It like kids, usually, if I if when I, it involves kids. Yeah, usually yeah. kids, but. Uh, I I've cried in and I cry in books more than movies for the most part, but this. This movie got the waterworks going for me two times. Mm. Um, the scene when he apologizes to Taka for basically killing her husband. Right. Well, not basically, that's what he did. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. You know, I was like, holy crap. Like, her performance, his performance, it, I mean, it was subtitled in Japanese, but I felt... I felt that, yeah. like, yeah. At, at the core. That was really good. I was it's actually going to bring that up. Oh, go ahead. No, it, I mean, that was something I, I wanted to bring up, too, was the this kind of universal language that um, he had to experience because he knew no Japanese, and he's coming from a Western country, America, where, you know, he's calling them Japos and, like, saying all these things, just being completely ignorant. So he gets there and... Yeah, savages. Savages, kind of yeah. Um, rebels, um, things like that. So this universal language, and it's funny you mentioned that because you didn't even need the subtitles for that scene. That scene was so well acted that all of right. their like body language and there was so much subtext that you didn't even need to read the subtitles. You could see what was going on. And I thought that was really well done too. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was really done. Oh, go ahead, Scott. The, a, a lot, a lot of scenes like that. They in, in other movies, I find, I find it to be surprising right i find it to be surprising that they are actually understanding each other because you know the the acting isn't always that well done so you'll you'll have one party will say something and then the other party will respond and they're both not speaking the same language but most of the time during that exchange there's somewhere in there where i go there's no way in hell you can charade that dude like you know this is just done to further a movie plot but i think you're right jones it's it was so well done that I did, that thought didn't even cross my mind. Did you have something else to say about that scene? So Taka, and I'm, I've, I'm probably going to butcher her name. The actress is Koyuki, I believe that's how it's pronounced. But um, looks like she's it, yeah. like she was one of my biggest highlights of this film. Her ability to emote and the gravity, like I, that's the only way I can describe it, the gravity that she would bring to the scene. And that's that was my actually i had all those scenes between nathan and taka down as like my favorite scenes just like their relationship and i know we kind of joked about it offline <laughs> towards the end of the movie you know how things kind of change but yeah that that scene where he apologizes to her and she's just got like the the one tear that rolls down and then she immediately turns cheek to oh he did his duty you did yours and then on top of that i accept your apology and it was just yeah like the gravity of that is Very just powerful. insane to put yourself into that situation. You know, how do you apologize to a spouse for killing their loved one? 
at the same time that she's bandaging your wounds feeding you clothing you putting a roof over your head like it's just it's crazy man they did such a good job with that he knew it like yeah you could see it in 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 nathan's face you know throughout the whole uh the the whole movie leading up to that part at least from when he was after he was captured you know because the 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 young man i forgot his name he he grabs him for the first time to to bring him in to eat dinner with his family and you know and he was just like wait a minute oh he felt so uncomfortable yeah yeah and it was you could see it in his face because it was you know i he basically looked at this woman and said i killed your husband and now i'm breaking bread with you like i'm a fucking demon i'm terrible terrible person yeah on that same Um, note too uh when tom or uh, nathan was playing like uh, sword fighting with the little kid and then the other guy comes up i can't remember his name in the movie but the other guy comes up and like Uh, ujio i think so that was the character yeah he was like the the right hand yeah 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 um and he was just kind of toying like just beating the shit out of tom cruise and taka had to watch all that and i just couldn't help but think like what she would be feeling right there this is the guy that killed my husband and now he's being just kind of thrown around like a ragdoll like this terrible warrior at least in her eyes um i thought that was pretty interesting because they kept showing her watching the fight it's really funny you bring that up because katie watched it with me and (laughs) she was like if i was that chick i'd be like this is the pussy that killed my husband (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's what they portrayed i think but what, what more importantly for that scene for me was it was his son that originally, you know, held the sword up against Tom Cruise or Nathan. Right. Yeah. And like the gravity of that is like, hey, you killed my father. And you could just see the anger in the kid when he started attacking Tom Cruise. Like it was it was just nothing but rage. Yep. It was oh, yeah. it was a really well done scene. This whole movie is just jam packed full of stuff like that, man. It was it was yeah. good. Totally. Yeah. And I think. So the other the other scene that brought the waterworks, and this is gonna be my last positive because you got you guys covered most of the other stuff. But uh, during the final fight scene, when the Japanese NCO, I think he was an NCO, the dude that was like yelling out the commands to the um, to the Gatling guns. And oh stuff, yeah. When he started tearing up, it was before they all died, but he started tearing up, and it was before they did all that that whole kneel thing and all that stuff. Right when he started doing that, right when he conveyed the realization of what he was doing because that was the guy that Tom Cruise like saved his ass in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, during the first oh. charge when they first started fighting the, the uh, samurais, and uh, and he realizes that, and I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, mad respects, fam, mad respects, because <laughs> that man, oh, so good. I'm getting chills right now thinking about it. That was such a man. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's so good. Yeah, yeah, well, really so and, good, and yeah. towards the beginning when um, Nathan was training the army. And he, uh, this is kind of along those same lines, and they respected him. And I think this is what it was like a payoff to that was he was training them, and he said, they're not ready. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Let's send them. And he did that little like thing where he was shooting at the guy and telling him to load and shoot me, shoot me. Um, and it it was just they, they had like crazy respect for him after that. And it plays into a little bit of what you were saying at the beginning, that he was just ready to die. So if he oh, died... Absolutely. If he died, that would be cool for him. And if not, then he was teaching everybody a pretty good lesson. Yeah, I no, I hundred percent agree. Um, I got one more, What's one up? more scene to add to, because I just I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet. 
um the ninja scene oh my god that was amazing <laughs> like that was so cool <laughs> Just, right yeah i feel like you don't really see ninja because ninjas always have like a, a campy cheesy foothold yeah, western in hollywood yeah yeah like it's just like there's so many 80s and 90s martial arts movies i used to watch that are just like this ninja whatever blah 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 and it's some dude with a ponytail who like wears a black sheet and runs around and kills people with throwing stars you know yeah (laughs) it's never actually like well done ninjas and yeah it was it was awesome man they were were commandos they showed up the samurai fucked them all up yeah well of course yeah i mean that would have been a short movie if the ninjas would have won right away, you know. <laughs> but that's also it, you know it's it keys into the the changing and the growing of the relationship between Nathan and Katsumoto because Nathan fights side by side with Katsumoto and defends him and saves his life a couple yeah, times. That and was vice versa moment. too, you know. And yeah, it really shifted that dynamic because I believe there's a, a a scene shortly after that where Katsumoto gives him back his books. And he says, at the time that I took these from you, you were my enemy. And then just walks away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says nothing further. Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty powerful gesture. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot, a lot was left unsaid, and it was done yeah. so well that you can just kind of fill in the blanks yourself. And that's like everybody, every filmmaker's goal is to be able to pull that thing off. And they had some good actors in this. This was a uh, Ken wannabe I'm probably Watsanabe. saying Watsanabe, thank you. Yeah. This is his first American film and his first film where he's actually speaking English. And I thought he did f- amazing, phenomenally. Um, yeah, he's got the rock channeled when in that angry face. Man. <laughs> Hugely. Same same furled brow and everything. Like, wow. I see what you're cooking, Watanabe. So I have like a million other things that I loved about this movie, but let's let's talk about any sort of negative things that you guys could pick out. Uh, James, what kind of what kind of negatives do you think you pulled out of this? So I already touched on the music, and you know we kind of talked about that already. I just I felt like that that one horn segment was just used too many times, but it was I mean that was such a minor annoyance that I can't hit it, hate it too much and I love Hans Zimmer the Lord of the Rings soundtrack is like one of my all-time favorites it's yeah it's really good um <laughs> so I got a couple of things that bother me just and it's mainly towards the end of the film like I said there's a few things that I ignore just because I've seen it so many times but it always bothered me that Katsumoto's last lines in the film as he's dying weren't in Japanese well, um, and a lot of his lines weren't in Japanese. Yeah, I, well, I, I totally agree. You know, leading up to that, he says, I will practice my English with you. So that is my my understanding for why most of his stuff is in English. But at the end, when, they're, when he's dying and Tom Cruise has been basically adopted into the samurai lifestyle, the family, I felt like at that point it should have just been Japanese, you know? Yeah, that, would, that was a missed opportunity for sure. Slightly, you know, um, and then <laughs> it always bothers me at the end when the the army, the actual like the regiment, the trained army with the the guns, the imperial army, I guess you could call them, when they all bow at the end after they've killed everybody, it just kind of angers me because I'm like, it's too late now. You can't be respectful now. You just slaughtered them all. Like, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. If you wanted a chance yeah. to show your respect, you should have not shot them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that always yeah. kind of irked me just a little bit because it's yeah. just like, 
too little too late man and then uh tom cruise when he presents katsumoto's sword to the emperor he shows up in his army dress uniform right that bothers me on multiple levels because one you you betrayed your commanding officer literally stabbed him through the chest with a thrown katana so I'm pretty sure the U.S. Army is just going to abandon you at this point, if not hang you when you get back to the States. <laughs> right. And then also, you turned your back on that on that way of living and everything that you did in that uniform. So why wouldn't he show up in, like, Japanese-style dress? So I think I have an answer for you. At least, it, obviously, it's all opinions, Right, yeah, yeah. But, um, in the beginning, the emperor seemed infatuated with Western culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, throughout the he entire still movie. was towards the end with Western culture. Yeah. yeah, towards the end as well. Yeah, but in particular, he was infatuated with Algren, mm-hmm. and you know, this when you know the whole like uh, he earned the Medal of Honor. I, you know, side note, side note. I hate it when people say you won. Th- Don't th- say you win. Won the Medal the Medal of Honor. It's not a game, dude. Price of right. Yeah, is this a Price is right? Because it's not. So he earned the Medal of Honor, right? And he wrote a book and all that other stuff. I think he wore it. It was a calculated choice. He wore it to bridge the gap between what they were trying to do mm-hmm. and what what the what the emperor and all his little cronies were trying to do, and what Katsumoto was trying to do. He wanted to be like, "Hey, here I am in in my army uniform, my U.S. Army uniform, with Katsumoto's blade mm-hmm. representing representing a like a liaison of sorts that's what i that's what i got out of it anyway all right that's that that's sense. actually a pretty good point i never really thought about it from that angle it's kind of like a duality thing there but none um, of that was yeah. kind of explained or right. implied uh, i could see how that would be the reason and maybe there was a deleted scene that explained it better but right. yeah yes i mean that always kind of bothered me but i i, I do like scott's viewpoint on that it's pretty no good. it's yeah yeah so one last thing and this goes right into that that final scene there where they're trying to negotiate the contracts for the trade deal and all the weapons and Tom Cruise crashes the party and then the emperor finally grows a pair and is like oh blah 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 the people of Japan and this and that I would make the argument and I got some pretty strong evidence that Tom Cruise or sorry Nathan Algren is responsible for Pearl Harbor <laughs> <laughs> He He disrupted an early alliance and trade partnership between the U.S. and Japan and basically instilled a sense of individuality in Japan who then later came back to the U.S. and started some shit, man. (laughs) I I didn't know we had a conspiracy theory segment. Yeah. That's... I didn't even make that thought never even crossed my mind, but... Captain Algren, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, it's oh, just, man. I always thought that was kind of a, a fun little interesting tidbit to think about, you know, just a, as I'm all about alternate history and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> what if this truly played out that way? Like, not only did Captain Algren kill a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army, but he caused Pearl Harbor. <laughs> right. And he's not under arrest. They're yeah. just letting him run around and do whatever he wants. Yeah, so that's I mean, but that's it, man. I I freaking I love this movie. It's it's not my favorite, you know, but it's it's up there for sure. So I I can't really hate on it too much. What you got, Scott? So I have a there. I have a few points. Mostly, I have 
a couple of scenes that I was like, what the hell? What are they doing? Um, and, and the first scene where I was watching it and I was going, okay, uh, this is not cool. The, it was when Nathan Algren started fighting in melee with a whole bunch of like samurais, right? Mm-hmm. And killing like a bunch of them. Uh, and I'm going, wait a minute. So this dude who probably drank at least a fifth <laughs> whiskey the night prior and has been every day of his, of his life for the last umpteen bajillion years, this dude is all of a sudden toe-to-toe with samurai, people that, I mean, you know, you go back to that scene in, in 300 and, and it's like, hey, what's your profession? Oh, I'm a potter or whatever. And the, you know, Spartans, what's your yeah. profession? You know, they're soldiers. That's what they do day in and day out. And he even mentions it mentions it, in, when he was narrating one of his um, journal entries before. You know, these people are so de- dedicated. They get up every day and then they work on the one thing that they're meant to do and, and they're part of society. So you're trying to tell me that these dudes that trade in and out are getting at their asses kicked, right, by this dude that is probably still drunk and dehydrated. Never heard of the drunken master. You know, I, so that uh, for some reason to me that that was ridiculous right i i could see maybe if they would have kind of trimmed that up to where they captured him and then it was just the part where he shoves the stick and you know in between his mask and kills uh uh taka's Mm -hmm. husband so that that would have been cool but all that other stuff i think it was way overdone so i got a i got an alternate viewpoint for you scott since you gave me one go do it Late into me. Uh, Katsumoto mentions multiple times throughout the movie, you know, this is your destiny. It wasn't your time. Do you think a man can change his destiny? Tom Cruise's response is, I think a man does what he can until his destiny is revealed. In the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. they open up with Katsumoto having the vision of a tiger surrounded. Yeah, tiger. It, was, it wasn't his time to die at that point, and it was his destiny to cause Pearl Harbor. So... <laughs> <laughs> he had to live through that and of killing a couple of samurai <laughs> so that they could later become, you know, zero pilots and bomb the USS Missouri. Like, you know, hey. <laughs> so that's, that's I, I think it shit. it was a, a play on the whole destiny theme is what it really came down to. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, cause, oh, absolutely. and Tom Cruise even says I himself, I should have died many times before, you know. Oh, yeah. I understand why they yeah. did it. I, I just... So I, I personally that destiny stuff I don't I don't buy into that at yeah. all. Uh, you know I understand like I said in movies and stuff, but that's why it took me out of it so much. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, it was kind of one of those like, nah. oh, we have to have the story continue, so we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a hand ham fisted um, plot point for sure. What else? Just you like you know, you got the Gatling gun churning two hundred rounds per minute, and they just all magically hit the shoulder and the leg of yeah. Tom Cruise, none of his vital <laughs> and, organs or his face. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's that the hero uh, bubble, dude. Yeah. The, every hero in the movie it has is. a bubble around him that just protects all vital it organs. <laughs> so, th- yeah, that was one of the scenes I didn't like. And, and the other scene that I thought was extremely melodramatic was the scene where um, uh, Katsumoto's son, you know, he gets shot on the bridge mm. mm-hmm. and then he's like okay leave me here dad leave me here and he's like all right buddy okay sport i'll give you a capri sun and you can just stay here and hang out and uh he just does like this crazy melodramatic like charge across the thing and i was like eh. 
too much overdone overdone in, in a in a movie that had really i mean it's kind of re- it's it's not as fantastical as i remembered it being but those two scenes really kind of took me out of the story now cuz i fully thought okay you know they're going to wait he's going to wait until they come across the bridge and then he's going to jump out and like ambush him you know and and delay them so that his dad and the rest of the guys can get out of there but no, he does like this Wilhelm fucking charge across the damn bridge, and I was just like, eh. We were after chan- channeling um, his inner Legolas. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I totally agree, and and I think at least for me, why that scene didn't work was because I didn't care. Like I didn't care that he died. Like I right. his his character yeah. wasn't really developed throughout the movie. There was no real like emotional connection throughout the movie. I mean, he was there and he did things, but. When he when his his bun gets cut off and then when he gets killed, like none of that meant anything to me. I would agree. I think it was a missed opportunity because when they first get to the village, Katsumoto says, "This is my son's village," and they never really showed. I feel like all of his leadership potential was overshadowed by the fact that Katsumoto was there. Right. But in reality, uh, and and like, then, and then Taka punked him hardcore. <laughs> but that you know, <laughs> my village that, this is my house. Yeah, that was his oh, village, okay. and. Uh, I think they could have definitely developed his character more if it would have shown him taking, you know, he just kind of seemed like, Hey, what's up, man? This is, yeah, it's my parents' place, you know, come chill, bro. Have <laughs> yeah, you seen the exactly. pool? Like that's how he came off to me. It was like just hanging out cause check, dad's running things. Check out my server room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. There's, there's no, you know, no substance to his death and his losing of his top knot and stuff, but yeah, so it's, I mean, there's a, a couple of things, like there's a, a couple of other, other minor things that just kind of irked me, but for the most part, um, I mean, that's the only negative stuff that I I could find. And and I know I could be in, in, in the midst of my post-coital glow, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's that pregnancy glow that I got. Wow. But um. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of negative stuff that I could find. Post coital glow. <laughs> mm. I'm gonna have to capture that audio. All right, so you should. So I don't I don't really like um I don't like narration. I I think narration is kind of a lazy way to tell a story. In 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 the movie, or in a movie where they did so well at implying a lot of stuff, I felt like it didn't need to be narrated at the beginning and then through Nathan's journal entries. Um, I get it that there's this language disconnect. Uh, so how else are you going to tell what he's thinking? But I feel I like think, that it, uh, I think Morgan up? Freeman would like to have a word with you. narration. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm pissing off celebrities all week. So, um, a lot of my stuff's nitpicky. I have one major like plot point thing, but there's a lot of bad CG. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but like towards the beginning, um, on the boat. On the boat. Sorry. Oh, the horses the when they're horses, riding into the when village initially across the mountains. Yeah, it was yeah. so bad. It, it, I never noticed it before until today. <laughs> right, and and I mean that's the other thing. I mean, it came out in 2003, so how else would we notice it? And maybe it's like you know about a decade of. Of film watching but even for 2003 I think that was bad um let's see yeah I got a lot of nitpicky like when they were fighting 
uh, Nathan and the right-hand man guy, they were fighting. These guys were betting, and they were, like, betting coins. And I didn't understand why in a village like this they would have coins or any kind of physical money system. But like I when said, they go back to Tokyo, man. Yeah, but they're all yeah. That's but then my biggest issue that I had was why was Algren when he comes back from the village, why was he offered a job to lead the military? When while he was gone, they'd completely trained this military and it was ready to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. The why would I was like, why would they? Why would they? All right, you've done a great job while he's gone, so we're gonna hire this guy and pay him more money. None of that made any sense to me, and I thought that 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 was a major plot hole because without that, there's no like, there's the rest of the movie doesn't really happen, other than the final battle. Um, there's also, and, yeah, and, what's up? Unless maybe, unless maybe they were doing it, and I, this just came to me. It's not like something that um. You know, I was waiting to say, but unless maybe that they were offering that, um, what's his face? Uh, Omura? Is his yeah, the, yeah, the train owner. Unless Omura, yeah, unless he was doing that just to, you know, the whole keep my enemies close or keep my friends yeah. close and my enemies closer, that kind of thing. Um, and that's, you know, which, which could be a thing. He, maybe he just didn't really intend at all for him to lead anything. But again, if an idea like that, it's like, Hey, we can keep an eye on him. If if that was an intent of the filmmaker, I want to see that in dialogue or something. Um, cause you can't leave everybody to try and figure these things out because then we're done. Yeah. I I agree completely. Um, just a couple, maybe argue that maybe one of the ninja survived and came back and reported like, Hey, he's working with them. So then the greasy Japanese dude saw it as a, another chance to, cause he was so dishonorable and all of this, all the shenanigans, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that was just another chance to try and slight Katsumoto and all that is like, Oh yeah, your buddy, he works for me now. You know what I, mean? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But like I said, it's, it a wasn't. Good, it's a plot point though, or a plot hole for sure. Yeah. And none of it was ever said. Like there was never explained why that was that important to them. Um, and my, and my other kind of big thing that I, Tom Cruise never dies in any of his movies. And you talked about the hero bubble. Not true. No, I, I, I pulled up a list of the movies he has died in. I can think of two right off the top of my head. Yeah. But he's been in 46 movies. (laughs) (laughs) So, so by my math, that's 13% of his movies, he's actually died. And he's an action star, so he should be dying a lot more. If well, you to count, be fair. If you count Edge of Tomorrow, he died several times. But There you go. So it makes. I was just getting ready to say it. It makes <laughs> up for the fact that he never dies because he dies like 200 times in that one. <laughs> Padding the stats. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason that bothers me is not. It's, it's that it influences the story. Uh, in a way that I, I really don't like. I felt like Tom Cruise should have died in that last battle, um, and he shouldn't have been able to make it to the Emperor. Um, he shouldn't have been able to do... Like I feel like, as a story, it would have been a lot more interesting and compelling if he died there uh, with his people that he had been adopted into. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely would have added some impact... I was thinking, I've always thought it'd be kind of cool if uh, Katsumoto was actually the one to live. And he says, you know, a couple times throughout the movie that if the emperor wants my life, all he has to do is ask for it. 
if at the end, you know, since he's shamed in defeat, he like presents his own sword to the emperor in terms of, hey, can you assist me in an honorable death? Just like he did his general friend, you know, when they're hauling Tom Cruise away. Yeah, right. And that, that would have been a cool twist to see the emperor like, oh, no, actually, you know, then that's when he grows some balls. Eh, but. I I actually was thinking that, and and I, I wanted to see Nathan die from his wounds, like in a hospital. Yeah, alone. maybe like 10 more minutes into the movie, like. Yeah, like he's like there. He's in a hospital in Tokyo somewhere, yeah. and, and he just flatlines. He just dies. <laughs> flatlines in the 1870s. <laughs> yeah, is it, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm not a medic. I'm trying to act cool. Shit. <laughs> so they th- th- that way it would be, it would kind of reflect more on on what he was. You know, the whole thing about um, you know war not being glorious, uh, war not being something that you know heroes don't have this bubble, right? It. It would have it would have been a lot more relatable to me, I think, yeah. and that's I mean, so totally selfish reasons. But I think he should have just I think he should have died alone, just like yeah, how it started. Know, too. He would the movie that ended, yeah, the movie ended just like it started. Would have come yeah. full yeah. circle. But but I think he should have died in that battle though, because there was such a buildup before that final charge. Was it was like you know they talked about three hundred again. And it was like, this is where we die. And there's like all this, you know, stuff going on. I felt like it would have been a perfect way to end the movie. But, mm-hmm. you know, Tom Cruise's contract guarantees him to live, I guess. He's got to be the... Got that money bubble. The, yeah, there Scientologist we go. agent, dude. That's right. All right. Mm-hmm. Any other negatives? I don't think so, man. Not really. I mean, I didn't bubbles, really though. like the, the Emperor... Yeah, I didn't really like the Emperor, but that... Yeah, I didn't like it, but I don't think you're supposed to... Because the Emperor yeah. is always supposed to... He's always portrayed in these movies as, like, a weak... Like, he shouldn't actually be in this position, but because J- Japan hasn't changed in so long that... I don't know. I, I feel like I, that part didn't really bother me too much. I mean, I I didn't like the actor. Oh, I gotcha. Sorry, gotcha, yeah. I didn't like the actor. Gotcha. Uh, what about some final uh, final statements, James? What do you what, like closing statements for this film? I think everybody should watch it. Uh, this movie gets made fun of a lot of, and I feel like people don't actually watch it. They just make fun of you know, oh, the Last Samurai starring Tom Cruise, ooh, whitewashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I hate when people talk it like the most recent one was Ghost in the Shell. You know, they that was argue that it was whitewashed because they they cast scarlett johansson to play you know the main character Mm -hmm. um they should watch the movie and check it out and this was received very very well in japan people gave a huge uh, compliment to the director and the writing staff for researching japanese culture and you know the vast majority of the cast is all japanese and you know like you said it was ken watanabe's first american film and it broke him into some major roles he ended up starring in 47 ronin with keanu reeves uh, you know <laughs> which that was a <laughs> movie that was kind of jacked up but well yeah no, i'm just well, kidding <laughs> he, he is part asian he's like chinese and hawaiian yeah. or something like that but anyway um <laughs> but this movie's not about a white person coming in and taking over it's, it's right no it's more much more than that and another thing is there's a misconception with the title in terms of The Last Samurai. Mm-hmm. Samurai in this context is plural. 
It is literally talking about the last group of samurai. Yeah, <laughs> the big charge. Yep. And yeah. if you watch the movie, you would know that. I agree. Exactly. It's yeah. it's unnecessary to to say this is whitewashing because you got to watch the movie. Yeah, people discount it all the time. So I, I wish it's more people it, would watch it and give it a chance because it's it's so well done and I really enjoy it. Uh, if I would buy, rent, burn, or banish, I'm buying it. I've bought it multiple times. Seen it in theaters twice when I was you know in high school. So you know it's it's great, man. It's such a good movie. So I I don't want to keep talking about how I could relate to the character, but I. I that was a huge part of it, uh, you know, as I stated before. But also, I like the way that the movie put a spotlight on the difference between Western and Eastern culture, at least back then, um, of how there's a separation. In Western culture, there was a separation of, of society, you know, air quotes, society, and warriors or soldiers or people that fight, you know, for a living. Um, and then he went to the East and he found a place that where he belonged and it was partially because of the way that you know the warrior culture was integrated with everyone it wasn't it wasn't just the, the war fighters that had to you know deal with all that stuff and then the other reason why um this movie is, has become my favorite movie is because i think it it appeals to a generation gap uh or, or no, i'm sorry it feels it appeals to an older generation I think because when I watched this back way back when it first came out, um, I did I couldn't relate to almost any any of this stuff. And then I watched it again now that I'm older, and there's a tendency, and it comes up in a lot of like anthropological like studies and and, and books and all that stuff. But there's a tendency for the older generation to not want not want to see change, and this mm-hmm. is something that spans humanity in general. Um, and then. You know, so th- it really kind of high. It hit a couple of things for me. It hit like the soldier side of me, and then it hit the old man side of me, where I was like, "Yeah, you know, screw those stupid people in Tokyo. Let's, you know, let's stay living in the hills and cut things with swords because swords are cool." <laughs> um, so that that with those two things combined, man, it, it's a definitely, definitely a total a total buy for me. And um, as a matter of fact, I did buy it after I got done watching it. So very cool. Uh, d- definitely recommend it. Yeah, definitely recommend it. And and you know all those people that like you're talking about whitewashing and all that crap. I mean, that's shave your hipster beard off <laughs> and open your eyes and form your own opinion, please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, watch the movie and you'll you'll change your mind. But yeah, th- I've recommend this movie to anybody. I will recommend this movie to anybody moving forward. I I want to buy it. I want to see all the special features and behind the scenes stuff. Um, but like, I think the major thing I took away from this film, the major theme that I enjoyed the most was this concept of savage and what, what is a savage and, uh, and Tom Cruise, um, Nathan, Nathan's character, Nathan has been spending his whole life, you know, looking for quote unquote savages and killing them. But this movie, he's hired to do the same thing and learns a little bit more about this, this group and learns uh, that they're not savages and there's a point in the movie where the the uh, Katsumoto Katsumoto Katsumoto's son gets his his this top knot cut off and it it kind of paralleled um, scalping being scalped and they mentioned it towards the beginning right um, 
but yeah, so it, it paralleled that. And at that moment, I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. It, it was more like, who's who's really the savage here? Um, and and it was left kind of open-ended, but it, it was very thought-provoking, and I enjoyed that a lot. But that's it. Uh, do we have a random movie pulled up for next week? We do. It's a, what was it, Cuban Fury? Yes, 2014. Yeah. Uh, Cuban Fury, it stars... What's her name? Rashida Jones, who I'm a, I'm a fan of. I don't know if you guys watch Parks and Rec at all. Oh, yeah, but definitely. She, she plays yeah, Anne, yeah. for sure. Nick Frost, Chris O'Dowd. You guys know Nick Frost from, what is it, Hot Fuzz and... A lot of Edgar Wright uh, movies. Yeah, yeah, those British comedies. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know, it should be decent. It's a 6.2 on Netflix. The tag is, it's all fair in love and salsa. <laughs> so I'm not okay. huge on dance films, but yeah, me, you know, know. Save the Last Dance was okay. Honey was all right. <clears throat> but I don't know if we've discussed this, but one of my all-time favorite movies, I'm talking like top 3 is Dirty Dancing. Oh, I knew you were going to say. So I do have a soft spot for dance flicks, but I would say a hard spot. Yeah, well, you know, how can you not when you're Ooh. looking at Patrick Swayze grinding? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that went a different direction than I expected. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's It should be funny. It's You know, it's not going to be a, a dead silence or an American poltergeist. Thank goodness. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, be sure to watch um, Cuban Fury and join us next week. Uh, check us out on 7 Uh Tweet us at, at 7 Sins. Check us out on Instagram, 7 Sins. YouTube, The Daylight Gamer. Twitch, Slayin' The Daylight Gamer. Uh, if you like what we're doing, help us out. Uh, send, send, a, send a little bit our way. Patreon at patreon.com slash 7 Sins. The Discord link will be in the podcast comments. And for 7 Sins and the Culturalist Podcast, I am Jones. And it's James. And Scott, Bob better live, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great day.